Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 103 of Process to Profitability. Today, I am talking about creating an overwhelm smashing marketing plan with Heidi Thompson. We dive into the specifics of what a marketing plan is and the five pieces you need to include to have a successful marketing plan. Heidi goes into detail about all five of those pieces so you know who to talk to, what you should be saying, and how you can evaluate whether your marketing is working. This is a really great episode if marketing seems overwhelming to you because she breaks it down into really easy steps for any type of business. Heidi Thompson is a best-selling author of Clone Your Best Clients and the founder of Evolve Your Wedding Business, where she specializes in business and marketing strategy for wedding professionals. She helps wedding professionals grow their businesses and reach their goals without going crazy in the process. Her business and marketing expertise have been featured on several wedding and business outlets, including the Huffington Post, Social Media Examiner, Wedding Business Magazine, Sprouting Photographer, Photo Biz Exposed, HoneyBook, Wedding Wire World, and she's an advisory board member for the UK Academy of Wedding and Event Planning. Even if you are not a wedding professional, this episode is great for any type of marketing that you're looking to do. So make sure that you check it out. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference and helps other people to find the show and learn right alongside you. Hi, Heidi. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So I read your bio at the beginning of the show, but I'd love if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what it is that you do. Of course. So I help wedding professionals grow their businesses without going crazy in the process. That's a big, important part for me because you should be able to have a business that you love and still have a life. And it's very easy for that to not be the case, especially when you love what you do. So I work with wedding professionals through my business, which is called Evolve Your Wedding Business. And I absolutely love helping these amazing creative professionals earn the money that they want to earn, but also have, you know, the lives that they want to have to build a business in the way that they want to build it. So that is really the ethos behind my business and everything that I do. And I know you said, where am I from? I live in San Diego right now. So love it. It's gorgeous. Awesome. So how did you get started helping wedding professionals and doing the work that you do? Good question. (laughs) So for me, that's a little bit of a long story. I'll give you the short version. So when I was in college, I had started working for a couple different nonprofits and working on their fundraising events, loved the event planning, and I found an opportunity to move into working as an assistant wedding planner, which was awesome. And I loved it. But what I did find out through that process was 
I thought I was in love with the event part of it, but what I was in actual love with was the marketing, you know, the getting people to these fundraising events, the getting people to care about why this fundraising event was particularly important. So I found myself working in all sorts of different industries and in marketing, everything from universities, software, beds, actual poop. And I always kept an eye on the wedding industry. And at this time I was living in the UK, I was living in England, and I noticed there was a gap in the market. The gap was with the media and bridal shows, they were going like this very white, fluffy Cinderella route. And what the market actually wanted and what they were clearly indicating that they were into were things like offbeat bride, you know, something different, something personal. So I decided to take that opportunity to start the alternative wedding fair where I brought together couples who wanted something different and vendors who were, oh my God, like the most creative people in the world. But I found that I spent a large amount of my time coaching my exhibitors on how to get a return on their investment. And I realized not everybody who owns a business is just into marketing and is just into business. And that I could kind of bring both of these worlds together to help these awesomely creative professionals make the kind of money that they should be making. Awesome. So you've talked a lot about marketing as your background and what you help people with. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I know you're going to be approaching it from the wedding perspective, but this will work for any service-based provider, product people, because it's all about how you're approaching marketing and not specifically the types of people you're targeting. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's dive in and start by talking about what a marketing plan is and the benefits of actually having one. Okay, so I think when people hear the term marketing plan, they probably, you know, kind of roll their eyes. Like, oh, it's just another document I'm going to have to create that is going to sit in a drawer somewhere like business plans do for a lot of people. But the way I approach teaching marketing plans is much more applicable to actually using it on a daily basis because that's what it should help you do. It should help you get out of overwhelm. It should help you focus on what it is that you're doing and it should make your marketing easier and more efficient. So that means, you know, you're bringing in more leads and you're not having to kind of do random acts of marketing and flail to have to get them. Okay. So when we're thinking about a marketing plan, like what kind of stuff does that cover? Is that social media? blog content, um, other things that we should be thinking about including. So I'm glad you brought this up because a lot of people start there and that is actually step four of five steps. So let's walk through those five steps because the first three are the most important and they're the backbone of your marketing plan. And it's what's going to make or break whether your marketing actually works or not. Okay. So your first step is your goal, figuring out what is it that you want to accomplish in the next year, in the next three months? Is it a revenue goal? Is it an increase 
in bookings, by how many? Is it that you're building a team this year, so you wanna decrease the number of hours you're working? But figuring that out really helps you determine what's worth spending your time on. And then we have step two, which is what I call your research. There are a couple parts to this, but the most important piece is your ideal client and knowing who they are, not just from a demographic standpoint, you know, not just from, oh, they're between the ages of 20 and 50 and they want to buy my stuff. Like that isn't super helpful when you're trying to market something. So what I mean by this and the process that I teach, and I I have this in a, a book as well, it's called Clone Your Best Clients, is actually going back to the best clients that you have ever had that you wish you could clone and work with over and over and over again. And first thinking through, okay, what is it about them that I loved working with? And who are they? You know, what kind of people are they? If you were taking them out to a dinner with some of your friends, how would you explain them? You know, you wouldn't explain them in terms of demographics. You would say, oh, you're going to love Samantha. She is as crazy into Game of Thrones as you are. And you know, more personal details. So those are super important because if you don't know who you're marketing to, your marketing is going to fall flat because your marketing has to have a message that matters to the person you're marketing to. So to give you an example of that, I had a planner that I was working with and she was marketing her business on the kind of standard wedding planner messaging of you're too busy and I can help take this off your shoulders. And it wasn't working for her. It was falling flat and the clients she did have, she looked at and thought, okay, what do they have in common? And it turned out they were all having Indian weddings. So at least one member of that couple was of Indian descent. But their chief motivator turned out that they were usually on the younger end of their siblings and cousins. So they've been to so many of the same cookie cutter Indian wedding and they were over it. And they didn't want to have the same kind of thing, but they still wanted to incorporate their culture into their wedding. They just wanted it to be more personal. Once she learned this and shifted her marketing to have a focus on solving that problem, she got booked up. So it's all about what do they want you to do? What is the problem they want you to solve? And then you can communicate that in your marketing, but you shouldn't assume it because you're probably wrong. So I want to go back to the goals real quick um, before we keep going. But when you think about goals, how specific should they be? You know, if it's a monetary goal or if it's, you know, so many bookings, like how much are we drilling down into what we want to accomplish? So I think as long as you have a number attached to it, that's fine. Whether it's you want to increase something by a certain percent or you want to, you know, you have a specific number of clients you want to work with this year or you want to sell a certain number of this particular package. I think as long as there is a number associated with your goal, you should be good. It's good to think about, you know, what your revenue goal is as well as, you know, any other goals. So maybe you want to sell more of one package than another this year, and you're really going to focus on 
marketing that. But I like to look at it as sort of the big picture and having a number so that you can kind of look up at the scoreboard at any point and see how you're doing. Okay. That makes sense. So you're kind of just giving yourself a measurement to go off of. Yeah. And, you know, if you really want to, you can, this is something I really like to do in my business is set good, better, best goals because it stretches you a little bit. So good is, you know, like, okay, that's good. I'm, I'm happy I hit that. Better is a little bit of a stretch and best is like, oh my God, this is crazy. So if you set those for yourself, I find that it's easier once you stretch yourself a little bit to think of ways that you could reach that seemingly impossible goal. So that even if you don't hit it, you get further than you would have. When was the last time you checked to make sure your website was healthy? The only way to know if your website is serving your business and working correctly is to make maintenance a regular part of your to-do list. I've created a maintenance guide at lemonandthesea.com maintenance that will help you get a picture of how your website is performing, what's working and what isn't, and the things you can work on improving so that you can continue to show off your expertise and bring in more dream clients. Inside, you'll learn why website maintenance isn't something to put off until next week, 15 tasks you should be doing on a regular basis to maintain your website and the tasks you need to do weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com maintenance. Jumping back into talking about, you know, learning about our ideal clients. I know that you mentioned, you know, you kind of have to figure out what they have in common and what they need from you, but do you have a suggestion of how to do that Because I think a lot of us look at our ideal clients and we do assume, okay, this is what they need from me. This is what we have in common. But how do we make sure that that is actually what's going on? Good question. Uh, So for me, the process I teach is, yes, you look at it and you think about them and you consider these things, but you don't stop there. That's where a lot of people stop. What I really like to have my clients do and they push back a little bit at first, but then they get into it, is actually interviewing your clients. So setting up, you know, a Skype call or a coffee date, something that's part of like your debrief with a client so that you can ask them some questions. And you can ask these questions along the way too. You can ask some of these questions at the beginning, but things like, Okay, so you hired me as your photographer. You must have looked at other photographers in the area. What made you decide to work with me instead of them? That's going to tell you about how you're currently being perceived. And then after you work with someone, you can ask them questions like, what would you say to a friend if you were referring me to them? Then you get their perceptions of what was really important about this process. What did they really value? And there are a ton of questions you can dig into, but I think the overarching theme is to try to be as curious as possible about why people did the things they did, whether it's decided to work with you or book that particular package or why was that important? Because what you're really trying to figure out is What is it that they value? What's really important to them? So in a wedding business and an events-based business, what is really important to them could be making sure that this isn't like a cookie cutter event and it incorporates their personality. It could be 
they are just too busy and they need some help. It could be that they want to one-up their sister. Like you never know what that motivation is going to be until you really ask them about why they decided to make the decisions that they did. So does that help? Yeah, that definitely helps. I've done that with my own clients. So I would encourage people to do it. It is really helpful, even though it's intimidating at first, but it makes a big difference when you're trying to figure out your marketing and your messaging and who you're trying to reach. You know, what is it that brought these people to you that you want more of? And there is this gold mine of information, but it's locked inside your client's heads. And chances are, if this is one of the people you're going to that you wish you could clone and work with over and over again, they probably like you. So they're probably going to be happy to give you this information to talk about themselves a bit, especially if you approach them with some, you know, genuine flattery of, you know, Samantha, if I could work with you every day of the week, I would be the happiest person alive. But, you know, cloning technology has failed me. So would you mind hopping on a quick call with me so I can ask you a couple questions so I can find more of the Samanthas of the world? Wouldn't you be like, hell yes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think people do want to help, especially because they know that you're a small business. You're not a big corporation that can just work with anybody. They understand that you're providing a very specific per service and you want to, you know, make your life better by working with people like them. Yeah. And by the way, I do this anytime I get stuck in my business, anytime I feel kind of paralyzed by my next steps, trying to figure out what it is I'm going to offer, how I'm going to position something or how I'm going to market something. I go and I talk to people and I find out, okay, what it is that they're struggling with or what they did struggle with, what they wish they would have had, what they're very happy they had as a result of working with me. And that helps me kind of come back to earth, you know, because we all get into our heads a little bit, but that helps realize like, okay, so these are the things that were really important to them. I thought it was this and I was marketing based on this other thing, but it, it helps to really steer you and focus you. All right. Part of this, I think, you know, doing the research is figuring out what makes you different from other people in your industry. You don't want to be just another wedding photographer in your area so do you have any advice on figuring out that piece? Yeah, so that's actually part of this step. And the way I teach this is that I don't want you to go into this as a means of comparing your work to someone else's or comparing your prices to someone else's because that is inevitably going to end poorly. <laughs> You're just going to feel terrible about yourself because we all do that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is kind of put your detective hat on that you use for your ideal client and look at your competitors through that lens. So how are they marketing? Where are they marketing? How are they communicating what they offer? What kinds of messages are they using? You know, what are they posting on Instagram? Are they even on Instagram? You can find holes and gaps and opportunities this way. And when you really understand who you're serving as your ideal client, I find more often than not, at least one person who you started off thinking was a competitor actually isn't because they aren't serving the same kind of person. They're serving a different ideal client and you could have 
a you know, friendly referral relationship between the two of you. If you're getting someone that's better suited for them or if they're getting someone that's better suited for you. So I just like to look at this as an investigation. So what are they doing? What are they saying? How are they marketing? Where are they showing up? Where are they not showing up? Where are kind of the gaps for them? Like, is their website super out of date? Are they not blogging on their website? There are a ton of opportunities you can find to make yourself stand apart, both in terms of what you're saying, but also how and where you're saying it. So maybe they're trying to be professional, but it's coming off as like corporate stuffy kind of voice. Well, you could change that up. And if it fits your brand, take a more personal voice that's instantly going to make you stand out. Okay. That makes sense. So that was step one is set your goals. Step two, do your research. What is the third piece of this? So the third piece is your messaging, which really feeds on from who you're serving, who everybody else is serving, what people are doing. And this is really the words that you're using to communicate the value that you provide. It's your voice. It's how you are stating the problem that you're solving because you can't just go out and say like, hi, I'm a photographer. Come and hire me. Okay. I'm a photographer and I work with fill in the blank to do fill in the blank. Like, how is it that you're describing yourself? How is it that you're describing your services? Because the words, the copy that you use is incredibly important. It's whether people are going to be interested enough to contact you and to feel understood, to feel like you get them and you will be able to deliver on the things that you say. So that's messaging in a nutshell. Okay, so... How do we figure out, you know, the words that we should be using? I think that's something people really struggle with. I see it a lot when I'm helping somebody with their website, like writing the copy, figuring out that piece is a really hard part of the puzzle. It can be a beast and it can often involve testing and you're going to change it. So it's okay if you, you know, create something and you decide, no, this isn't me at all. You can always change it. So this isn't, you know, set in stone. But you really want to think about what you learned from speaking to your ideal client. What is it that they would say about you? What is it that they value about you? Those are the words and phrases that you want to be using in your copy. It also helps put you in the frame of mind of, what is really in it for them? Because a lot of times when we're writing copy, we get too hung up on the features of what we offer. So for a photographer, that's, I'll be at your wedding for 10 hours with this package. But most of the people who are coming to you don't know what that means. I mean, do they need that? Is that a lot? Is that a little? Where's the context? So a way to reframe that and move away from the features is to really look at your copy and ask yourself, am I talking about what they get or am I talking about why it matters? And you can change a feature into a benefit really easily by adding so that to the end of it or by asking yourself, and why do I care at the end of it? So 
I'm a photographer. I'm going to be at your wedding for 10 hours, which means when your dad has had one too many drinks and starts busting out his dance moves, I'm there to capture the whole amazing moment. That gives you something to connect with. That gives you a visual that gives you an emotional context. And I think we overthink writing a lot, but if you put yourself in the mindset of auditing it with, why should someone care about this? It's a very easy filter to look at the gaps in your messaging. Yeah, I love that. I've worked with quite a lot of wedding people and I see like that 10 hours and I'm like, I don't understand how much that covers. Right. And so understanding, okay, that means that I'm going to be at your reception until things get a little crazy. I can picture that a whole lot easier. Right. And then you're like, okay, I want that. Yeah. So you don't want to book the package where they're there for six hours because you're not going to have that same benefit. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that really does make it a lot easier to write. You know, you write out your feature and then you just continue going and that's your benefit and you can include that in what you're trying to say to people. And it's probably very helpful for most people because they don't speak your language as the professional. And that's hard because you get stuck in that expert mentality and you can't remember what it's like to not know anything about what you do. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. Okay, so we kind of have, we have our message down. We know who we're talking to. Where do we start our marketing and what should we be sharing? So this is where step four comes in. And step four, I just very plainly call the how. And this is where am I going to show up? What am I going to say? What am I going to post? Is it photos? Is it videos? Is it text-based? Do I need to write blog posts? Really making as many decisions as you can about your marketing at this point is going to make doing it easier. So if you decide, I'm going to post three posts to my Instagram feed each week, and I'm going to post two Instagram stories. Great. You can go even further with that. You can decide which category of content Monday is going to be, which category of content Wednesday is going to be. So that when you actually sit down to create the content, you know, okay, I need four of this kind of posts, four of this kind of posts. And it makes it so much easier to just create it and execute on what it is that you want to do. But when choosing where to market, I really like to encourage people to pick about three places and in where to market, I would also include like SEO in this because this is going to take up your time as well. But I would choose three, especially if you can choose ones that are already working for you because too often we try to put more things on our plate without looking at what's already on our plate and how can we amp it up in terms of strategy or effort or money we're putting behind it and get like a 10x return on it. So if you already have things that are working for you, those should absolutely be in your three places you're going to show up. And then I like to limit people to one experiment per quarter. And by that, I mean, I wonder if I can get traffic from Pinterest. That's an experiment you can run and really focus on that. 
and make sure you're checking your numbers because so often we start tests on things and we don't actually look at the numbers afterwards to see if it's one of those things that we could leverage a little bit more and get 10x out of. So that's how I really like to approach choosing where it is, kind of the what it is that you're going to do. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Okay. And then in terms of what it is that you're going to do in each of these places, this kind of depends on what channel we're talking about. If we're talking about blogging and podcasting, that's, you know, what are the topics you're going to cover? Is it going to be an interview format? Are you going to take guest posts? How is that going to work? If we're talking about, you know, social media, what days are these posts going out? Which buckets of uh, content do they fall into? And if you're not sure what to post, you can definitely look back at your analytics and see what is already working for you. I am a huge, huge proponent of doing more of what is already working, even if that takes you time to figure out what is working because it's time well spent, then you're not reinventing the wheel. You're making your life easier each time, you know, you go through and review your numbers and think, huh, okay, um, I'm posting to Instagram, for example, three times a week. What happens if I post five times a week? Do I get an additional spike in traffic or an engagement? So in any way you can make it easier for yourself, please do. Don't fall into the trap of trying to just kind of add and add and add and add and then you're burning yourself out and you're not really focusing on what you're doing in any one place. Yeah, that piece is so important. And that's one of the things I look at in Google Analytics every month is kind of what are the most popular blog posts. And that tells me what people are coming to my website for, what they're interested in. And if a post is really popular for something that I don't do anymore, then I know, okay, I've got to make some changes. I've got to make sure that I've kind of shifted away from that. Maybe I need to remove it. Maybe I need to put a call to action to lead them to something else. But it really does help me understand what it is people are looking at from my business. And you can totally take inspiration from that too. So maybe it's you go more in depth on that topic. Maybe it's you kind of copy the format. So I have a post and it's, I don't remember the exact title. It's along the lines of a hundred marketing ideas for your wedding business. And that did crazy well. So then I did a hundred things you can outsource in your wedding business. And because I copied a format that was already working, it also did crazy well. I didn't have to, you know, totally reinvent the wheel. Yeah, that makes sense. And it makes it easier when you know what's working to come up with something else because you can have the confidence of that if I spend the time to do this, it's actually going to give me a return. Yeah, you definitely have that reassurance and that clarity so that you don't feel like you're going into everything blind because that feeling sucks. Yeah. That's <laughs> so fun. Okay, so we've put together this marketing plan. We're starting to use it. How do we know if it's actually working? Well, I'm glad you asked because that is step five. And I think it's the step that gets neglected a lot in marketing and it's measurement. So, what are you measuring? 
If we're talking about you're working on improving your SEO, it could be your ranking for certain keywords. Did you go up? Did you go down? Are you ranking for new keywords? Are your efforts paying off, essentially, is what we're trying to figure out with any form of measurement. And in doing this, I really like to encourage people to set up two recurring appointments with themselves. One, just a weekly CEO date with yourself for like 15 minutes to look at, okay, what went well this week? What didn't go so well? What am I going to change next week? So that way you don't get like a year down the line and realize, oh my God, none of this was working. And looking at those numbers that are particularly important to your business. So depending on your business model, that could be, you know, number of leads that you generated, number of leads by source. Um, it could be engagement on certain platforms. It could be traffic. Whatever that is, I like to just quickly look at that and take note of it. It takes about 15 minutes. And then once a month, I schedule a more in-depth kind of measurement review and planning date with myself where I look at all of these numbers. I look at how things went this month. And I also just ask myself outside of just the data, how do I feel like things went this month? Like maybe I was exhausted all month or all week. I need to do something about that. Am I not taking care of myself properly? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to stop doing certain things? And I think asking yourself the questions, you know, what am I going to continue doing into the next month? And what am I going to stop doing? That last one is my favorite question in the world to ask because you just get to give yourself permission to drop things that aren't working for you. You've tested it. You've tried different ways. You've tried different things to make it work. It's just not working. You don't have to do everything. You get to choose to drop that and pick up something else. All right. And you had said before to give something a quarter, so three months, in order to see if it's actually working before you make changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to work and uh, teach my clients to work in 90-day increments just because that's a long enough period to see changes in most things. I say most because things like SEO can take longer. It's seasonal variability too, so you want to keep that in mind if your business is particularly variable by the season. But three months is a long enough time usually to test something. And if you need to continue that test, you can. But it's short enough to where you don't feel boxed in by it. You don't feel like you are committed to doing this thing forever. And it also gives you that out, you know, looking at it and it's just, this is not worth my money or this is not worth my time. I'm not going to do it. And that is one of the most empowering things to get to do and take your time and your effort and your money back and reallocate it to something that hopefully will work better for you. All right. And I think it's also a long enough time that if you start something like you always post a motivational quote on Mondays, you're not changing it up so frequently that your audience gets confused. Right. Yeah, that consistency is important. And it's hard to measure something if you don't have consistency to it. So in order to get an accurate measurement, 
to know whether something is or isn't working for you. You have to have that, you know, data over time. So you can see, is this actually working or did this seem like it worked, you know, on this one particular day, but that was for some, who knows what reason the Instagram algorithm threw it in front of the right people. Okay. So do you have platforms that you really like or recommend to people to start out with, or does it really just vary based on the business? I would say it's based on the business. It's also based on you. So there are certain platforms that lend themselves more to certain businesses and business types. There are certain platforms that that lend themselves to certain personalities more. Like if you're going to start a YouTube channel, that's going to be you in front of a camera. Are you comfortable with that? Are you okay getting a little uncomfortable and doing it anyway? But I'm a big, big fan of creating content on your site. So whether that's in the form of blog posts, podcasts, some way to take all of that expertise that's in your head and distill it into something that a potential client can use and see just how good you are at what you do, just how much you know. And those kinds of things help feed every part of your marketing ecosystem. You know, they help your SEO, they help give you something to share on social media. So you're not, you know, just promoting yourself all the time. And then in terms of social media, it does depend by business, but I'm a particularly big fan of Instagram because of the way it allows you to engage with people. So I'm a big fan of that. I know most of my clients are as well. You know, some people are finding really great success with Pinterest and driving traffic to their site. Some people are doing well with Facebook. It really has to do with where your ideal client is and how they're finding you. Um, You know, in the wedding industry, we have things like the knot and wedding wire. And sometimes that works amazing for people and for other businesses, it dozens. So the more comfortable you can get with testing things and not letting the results get to you or let them feel like a judgment on you, the better off you'll be because that that's a skill that I don't think you really learn anywhere else outside of entrepreneurship, but it is so essential. Yeah. And do you have any advice on thinking about paying for any of these marketing platforms, whether it's paying for ads or paying to be featured on the knot, you know, how do we kind of go about framing that for ourselves? Yeah. So my first question is always, is your ideal client there? Because if you've asked a bunch of your clients where they found you and not a single person said the knot, it's probably not worth it. If you want to test it, go for it, but I would definitely frame it as a test. And then in terms of ads, the way I teach people to think about this is that you have to really think about where you're taking people to with an ad and what the journey is from there. Because I've seen a lot of people just try to run a Facebook ad to like their homepage and then wonder why nothing happens. And it's like, you can't just drop someone on your website and hope they give you money you have to have that as part of your marketing funnel. So you're moving people 
into a next step. So are you getting them on your email list? Like what is the actual function of the ad? I think if you think that through, then it's just a matter of, okay, who am I targeting? What am I going to say? But you already know that because you figured that out in your marketing plan. All right. So as we wrap up the conversation about marketing, do you have anything else you want people to know about it? So it is an iterative process. And the thing I really like about this kind of marketing plan is it gets better and it gets easier over time. So for every three month period, you're finding things that work for you, things that you can make work harder for you. So it gets easier. And I think that's my favorite thing about this kind of approach because I hate seeing people struggle so much with their marketing when there's an easier way to do it. And if you guys are interested, I have a full like hour long training on this that dives deep into each of the pieces that, um, you know, we can give to your listeners if you'd like. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So you can find that at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash webinar. That's a totally free training that is available to you and will help you get your head around, you know, all the individual pieces, what exactly to ask yourself and think about in all of them. Because the first time you sit down and do this, yeah, it's going to take you some time. But every time you do this afterwards, like I said, it's going to get easier and it's going to take less time. So you are investing the time up front in order to make marketing your business easier and easier down the road. Sounds good. And I will include that link in the show notes for people to check out. Awesome. So can you give us three action steps that somebody listening could take today or this week to get started creating a marketing plan? Yeah. So first and foremost, if you haven't really formalized who it is that you're targeting, I think that's the most important step you can take. Who is your ideal client? Who do you want to work with? Who do you want to be the go-to person for? I think sometimes thinking about who you want to be the go-to person for is a little easier than thinking about your ideal client. So who do you want to be that person for? That is barn on the most important part of this process because you could run the same marketing to a different group of people. Like if you were marketing to your grandma, like that's a totally different language. That's a totally different set of values and interests. So um, yeah, really determining who it is that you are trying to reach. And then I would say evaluate what you're currently doing whether that's working or not, and what exactly are you doing? So like Instagram is not an answer to this or blogging. Like what are you doing exactly, where, when, how, what are the pieces that are coming together? So that you can look at, is this working? Do I need to change something about this? Because without that information, you can't know what you would change. And then I would say scheduling those check-ins with yourself. That is incredibly important. That weekly CEO date, you know, that can be 15 minutes on a Monday or a Friday with yourself. And then once a month, spending a little bit longer. I like to combine this with planning for the next month. So I spend a few hours on it. But 
by setting those up, you are forcing yourself into CEO mode, which is putting you at the helm of really making these kinds of strategic decisions, which is definitely going to take you in the right direction. All right. Those sound good. And I think that'll give people a good place to start. So as we wrap up, I always ask people the same questions. And the first one is, can you give us an example of how serving your clients well has benefited your business? I mean, referrals is definitely a big part of that, um, just so that they are happy and excited to you know, spread the word about their experience with me when they have a friend or someone that really needs that kind of help as well. So I would say, yeah, that having client referrals is amazing from a business standpoint, but it also makes me really happy. All right. Tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life. Ooh, okay. I started drinking the salted caramel coffee from a company called Bones Coffee, and I'm a little worried <laughs> about how much I like it. I'm going to go through a ton of it. So that is one thing life-wise I am absolutely loving right now. I am absolutely loving in my business doing live trainings. So I have one coming up. It's a part of what I do that I absolutely love because I get to teach, which is like my favorite thing to do. And also interact with people like right then and there and address their concerns and help them, you know, leave that training and make some progress. Okay. So that leads me into the next question of what do you have that you're excited for in the future? So I definitely have life trainings coming up, which <laughs> I am very excited about. And um, I'm making some changes inside my membership program, the Wedding Business Collective, that I'm excited about. Basically, I've developed like a roadmap for people and I'm kind of slotting the content into these places so people can see based on what's going on in this stage. Are you in this stage? If you are, here are your next steps just to give people immense clarity on what to do next. All right. And finally, where can people find you online if they want to connect? Yeah. So my website is evolveyourweddingbusiness.com. Like I said, you can take that training at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com slash webinar. I have a podcast, the Evolve Your Wedding Business podcast, and I am, you guessed it, Evolve Your Wedding Business on Instagram. That's probably the best place on social media to find me. All right. Well, I will make sure to include all of those links in the show notes so everybody can check them out. And I'm so glad you came on the show to talk about this. I think it gives people a really good way to move forward with something that can seem like an overwhelming topic. And that's exactly what I want to do. Give, you know, a simple framework to something that's daunting. Just try to make it easier. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show. 